Cottony Attorneys and Consultants is dedicated to helping the construction industry with legal, business, and safety challenges. Welcome to this week's episode of Law & Mortar with John Kenny and Trent Cottony. Hey, this is Trent Cottony, CEO of Cottony Attorneys and Consultants, and I'd like to welcome everybody to another episode of Law & Mortar. As always, I've got my partner in crime, John Kenny, CEO of our consulting group. John, how you doing? Doing fantastic. Winding down the week and uh, ready to hit the weekend and... I hope everybody out there is looking to do the same thing here. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a, a big week coming up next week. We have FRSA's 99th Annual Convention and Trade Show Expo. So um, I know we are going to have a double sides uh, booth there. We're going to have both lawyers and people from the consulting team there. Um, what else do we have going on? What are you going to be doing while we're there, John? I'm going to be uh, reconnecting with all the folks we haven't been able to see in a while. And uh, I do uh, believe it's on Thursday. I'm going to be talking to the uh, roofers uh, coffee shop team. They're going to be live out there doing their coffee conversation live from the floor. So I'm looking forward to that. Should be able to give some live updates. uh, What's going on there at the FRSA for anybody who wants to tune into that right through roofers coffee shop. We'll be talking to you from there. Yeah, and uh, I know I will be doing a presentation on critical contract provisions, but what I'm going to do is kind of pull the audience at the beginning and say I can go one of two ways. Do you guys want me to talk about the materials issue and focus on that for purposes of contracts or just talk about contracts in general? So I'm going to come prepared to, to talk about anything and everything that people want to talk about. I have a full slide deck of tons of contract provisions, so definitely a must-see um, some of our lawyers are also going to be talking on, uh, you know, immigration-related issues and licensing. So uh, stay tuned; should be should be pretty good. Hope you guys end up catching that. Um, some big news came out last Friday, John. After we went home from from work, uh, an executive order was issued by Biden, which had 72 different orders within that, and it talked about a variety of different things. There were, um, you know suggestions of changes for technology, healthcare, transportation. But there were a couple of things in particular that I kind of clued in on um, that I think is a signal of kind of what's to come. And that is, you know, we've known from the start that the Biden administration has been pro-union. It's been engaged in a lot of things to increase union presence. But during, in review of these orders, what was clear is that uh, they're kind of taking it a step further. So the first thing that I saw in there was that Biden directed the Federal Trade Commission to look at either limiting or banning non-competes. Now, you know, in the roofing industry, you know, here in Florida, for example, you can use non-competes. In places like California, you can't. And for those of you that don't know what that is, if you have an employee, it's usually a higher level employee, uh, you can have a a written agreement that prevents them from uh, competing with your business for a certain period of, of time in a certain geographic area with a certain type of order. There's a lot of restrictions that are disfavored by courts uh, and they're not valid in every single state. But if the Federal Trade Commission actually takes a step to ban these uh, or, or severely restrict them, it could change how you know employment agreements are done in construction. So you know, what are your thoughts on that, John? Yeah, I think... Um... It was very interesting. It's the first time it's ever really been attacked from that type of level up, for sure. And I'm pretty sure it wouldn't have been put into an executive order if there already wasn't behind the scenes, uh, you know, discussions and plans of how they were going to attack it through the FTC. But 
I would think that you're going to see some heavy limitations. I don't know how well it would work to try to overall band it, but either way, I think you're going to see some changes come out of this in the next couple of years, you know, however long it takes to go through the process. And um, it should be interesting to see. I'm, I'm sure you, you know, as you know, there'll probably be a lot of challenges to it, whatever it is, but regardless, it's, it's hard to know what gets through and doesn't get through anymore in Washington. Very hard to predict. Yeah, absolutely. Something else that was interesting that came out of that was he directed the FTC to look into limiting um, certain types of occupational licenses. And in particular, what he was trying to do was, you know, he, he mentioned in the order that occupational license, licenses that prevent um, people from going from state to state that restrict trade, he's looking at kind of taking down those, those walls or those borders to being able to kind of move that. Now, you know, I've talked about it a little bit, and I don't think that this is necessar necessarily going to reach to construction licensing, but, you know, it's unclear. So, you know, what when you read that, what did you think? Yeah, I, I don't think it's intended to go that deep because that would be affecting uh, all trades. Um, and a lot of states, especially electrical and plumbing, it's, it's 50 states require licenses of some sort. Um, roofing, not every state, but more and more. I don't know. I, I don't know if that what the intent is, but I, I do think it's kind of more leaning towards the professional, not that roofing is not professional, but accounting and, and health care. So I know that originally that's what they were talking about, that if you're a nurse, you got to have licenses in different states. I think they're trying to do maybe consolidate that. I, I don't know. I mean, year, years ago, there used to be a articulated license per state, right? And then the federal government took that over and it's a federal license now. So I don't know if the intent is to make a federally wide respected occupational type license or to do away with it completely. It's not too clear right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be something that we're going to have to continue to watch. You know, obviously both our lobbying uh, group and our employment division are, are paying close attention to this. So we will update you guys as we hear more things. Um, John, I, I kind of want to switch gears and I want to talk to you a little bit um about job site testing and in particular um bubble test and we may have talked about it at some point but um i've always from a legal side bubble test always give me some heartburn uh because i know that they are you know you can uh i won't say easily manipulate them but there are ways to to uh, get them to do what you need but at the same time there's also the converse of that where you get a lot of failures and I'm, I'm just not an over overly big fan of bubble testing. Um, why don't you explain to the listeners that, that aren't familiar with that, what it is, how it works and what the issues are. Yeah, I can tell you from the operational and roofing side, I was never much in favor of them either because they were not extremely accurate. And usually if they were of a failure, it never went to the advantage of the contractor, it could go to the disadvantage. And then you had to go other test means to prove that test was wrong. But that all aside, um, the easiest way to look at this is kind of look at like a uh, skylight dome um, that is sealed into the roof. It's usually sealed in uh, through cement or some kind of adhesive, so it's airtight, right? And then it basically has a vacuum hose that sticks into that. You know, these are very basic terms and you're sucking air pressure, creating an uplift and it has a gauge on it. Um, and there's a couple of ways when they do test it, what happens is they're either looking for the ultimate fail, which will take the roof to the extreme pressures and, and create a failure, 
or a lot of times, especially with FM, you don't need to go to failure, you need to go to their pressure. So say a roof is designed for negative 225 um, and the pressure of the building is say 150. So you've got a lot more belt and suspender roof installed. They'll get it to the 150 mark and hold it. They'll go probably above 155, make sure there's no issue and then stop. So there's no damage really to the roof system unless it failed. Or, and a lot of times they go to extremes. A lot of owners request it going to failure, which is never, if you, you know, I can tell you now, if that ever happens, you need to check the specs before you get into that because that is always almost an unfavorable position to be in because it will fail, it has to fail. And they'll say, well, it should have not failed. So be careful, but that's really what it is. You're taking a dome, you're sealing it to your system. You're putting vacuum pressure against it to create the suck up and it goes until it hits either the pressure mark it's required to or it fails. Yeah, very, very tricky. And it's something that to the extent that you can take it out of a contract, you, you definitely want to do that. Now, sometimes it's hard if you've got an FM roof or things like that. If, and also down in uh, Miami, in Florida listeners in Miami-Dade area, you, you are required by their code to do it. So Right, right. If code or the specs, you know, outside specs require it, then you're kind of stuck with it. But uh, if it's in a no private going contract, in. <laughs> yeah, if it's in a private contract, do what you can to get rid of it. So, um, John, we talked about a lot, right? And as you know, we always end with a question. So I got a special question for you today. We're going to, uh, this is one that I think you will appreciate uh, a lot. And this one is from our construction division. Okay. Okay. So uh, as you know, we're, we're always trying to improve customer service. We're always trying to, you know, nobody likes dealing with lawyers, but what we're trying to do is create a better experience. So uh, we had a construction division team meeting and, you know, I, I listen in, I let my division head, you know, run the meeting and we, you know, but I listen. And one of the things that, that they wanted to know from contractors is, you know, what can they do better? What, how can they uh, provide better customer service? What, um, you know, how should contractors interface with lawyers and get the most bang for the buck? And I guess I'll start off. And what I said was one of the things that we pride ourselves on is, is trying to be proactive rather than reactive, you know, trying to engage as a business partner rather than just, you know, a third party lawyer. And sometimes it's hard, you know, but really there's, we have a lot of knowledge and a lot of skill that goes beyond just legal. So oftentimes when a client has a problem, if I can hear what their problem is, even if it's not legal, I know enough in the industry, I got enough industry connections where you or I can solve that problem, right? Mm -hmm. And I've had to do that a lot with this materials issue. I've had to, to, you know, rely on the relationships that I have with manufacturers and suppliers and really reach out to get things done. So from my perspective, you know, on the legal side, our job should always be able to, to be proactive. Um, and on the client side, you know, I would also, you know, want the same thing. I'd want that open line of communication. Don't just call us when there's a problem, call us at a time so that we can prevent those problems from happening, right? So on the contractor side, John, what, you know, what would you say to that? Yeah, it's a great point. Communication is anywhere. It's key, uh, open communication. I, I would say if I was a contractor um, looking into working with attorneys such, such as our group, um, I know the updates that I would want, I want them to be 
as little legal as possible. Now, let me clarify that. Um, I don't really want to know about the statute number or case law or anything. I really, at my, if I was on the contracting side, what I want to hear from my attorney is, you know, here's where the case is at. The other side has this going for them, but you have this going for you. And, you know, right now, I think this is the best course of action based upon it. I think most contractors out there would agree with that because we think differently than, than attorneys think. It's it's normal because um, you you guys as attorneys, when you get the attorney side, we expect you to know the law. We expect you to know what to do. And that's what you're there for. But we need it kind of I always like to say when I was talking to my field people, got to get everything in what we call roofer speak. Right. We got to communicate everything down to where it makes sense to the to one you're talking to. So I think that's a, that would be a big plus. And I think our just want to uh, paraphrase that our team does a great job of that because uh, when I know what myself being around here, they understand the industry, they understand the perils that the contractor goes through. So I think for the, for the very most part, they do an excellent job of communicating issues back and forth with the customer. That that's my thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is. You know, we we have a motto that you know it's always. Um, what's next? How do we how do we get better? How do we improve? How do we we create more touch points? That kind of thing. So there's always room for improvement. But I, you know, I agree. I think communication is absolutely critical, and being able to talk to the customer, not over the customer, is is very important. Um, so, John, with that, I'd like to end it there, and I'd like to thank everybody that's listening to us. Again, we are the number one construction law podcast in the world. Uh, so we thank our, our loyal listeners. Um, stay tuned next week for another episode. And you can always reach me at tcotney at cotneycl.com. John, how can they reach you? Uh, same way, but at jkenny at cotneycl.com. And again, I'd like to say the same thing. You're over there at the show. Please stop in and say hello to us. Flag us down. I'm happy to talk to you. Looking forward to seeing you all there. Yep. Same here. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you. Bye now.